the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome. You are listening to Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston, New England's oldest African-American church. Hope and Faith Ministry features the inspirational sermons of my father, Dr. Wesley Roberts, Senior Pastor at People's Baptist Church. We're so glad you're here. Dr. Roberts has a powerful message of hope and love for your life and mine. Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston. The title of the message today is Secure in God's Love. Secure in God's Love. Someone I know and greatly respect is an avid mountain climber. Some time ago, he went on vacation to mountain climb in Hawaii and sent me a picture of himself high on a mountain peak. I'm not comfortable with heights, so mountain climbing has no appeal whatever to me. <laughs> but, the, but the point that I want to make is that the book of Romans, which we get into from time to time, has been described as the Himalayan mountain range of the New Testament. And chapter 8 is the Mount Everest. That is the highest peak that you can ascend in divine revelation. The chapter begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. And today I want to preach on Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39, the last section in this chapter, which is the highest peak of Mount Everest. It doesn't get any better than this, and I feel inadequate to do justice to this text. There are certain texts that are so expansive and so glorious that human words cannot fully explain all that uh, is involved uh, in this text. The theme of Romans 8, 31 through 39, is the believer's security in the immeasurable love of God. But before I get to the substance of Paul's argument in this message, I just want to mention that in this text that we're dealing with today, Paul is using a literary device known as a rhetorical question. And a rhetorical question is one asked for effect rather than for information. No answer is expected because the answer is obvious. For example, Paul says in, in 33, in fact, we go to, to 30, 31. If God be for us, then who 
can ever be against us? Or who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Or who then is the one that condemns? You see, these rhetorical questions offer four challenges to the doctrine of the eternal security of the believer. By answering each each challenge, Paul forces us to conclude that there is absolutely nothing that can interfere with the security of the believer in the love of God. And the first challenge is, is there any opposition which can rob us of our salvation? Beginning at verse 29 for the context, uh, through verse 31, Paul says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. The International Version says, justifies us. And having given them right standing with himself, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now remember who it is that's asking these questions. It is the Apostle Paul who knew very well the opposition that was against him throughout his entire Christian life. The Jews were against him. The Romans were against him. The false teachers were against him. The magicians in Ephesus were against him. The devil and all his forces were against him, as he writes in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. He says, Christians, we face opposition from many sources. We experience opposition from the circumstances that we have to deal with day after day. We experience opposition from people that we know and sometimes from people that we don't even know. We experience opposition from the world and from Satan. But God's favor upon us as his children causes all opposition to fade into insignificance. The issue is, do we believe that God is really for us? That he is on our side? As Paul tells us in Romans 8 and verse 28, he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Do we really believe that? If so, then what can the opposition amount to? Who can be against us 
that could possibly threaten our security in Christ Jesus? And the answer is no one. But the second challenge is, is there any danger that God's love toward us may change? Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave himself up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? You see, Paul is using an argument from the greater to the lesser. It is like saying, if someone thinks enough of you to give you a costly, beautiful, flawless diamond, do you think he would object when you ask him for the box that goes along with it? Or, if a mother gives up a baby, do you think that she would object if they asked to take his clothes also? Is the point that Paul is making is, if God has given his own son for us, do you really think God is going to withhold anything else that we need in order to live our lives here and now? Of course he won't. We can count on God to give us whatever else we need to complete our spiritual journey. Is this a promise of health, wealth, and luxury? I think not. What Paul is saying is whatever my circumstances may be, God will graciously give me all that is necessary to keep me, to hold me, to guide me, to mold me, until at last I shall see my blessed Savior face to face and be like him. If I need strength to endure trials and tribulations, I've got it. If I need a friend to be with me through life's dark hours, I've got it. If I need direction for how to live, I've got it. If I need comfort when I've lost a loved one, I've got it. There is no possibility that God's love toward me will change because he has already given us the greatest possible gift that we could receive. All others are just frosting on the cake. The third challenge to the security of the believer, which Paul lays before us, is the possibility of finding ourselves in a state of condemnation before God. So number three says, Is there anyone who might bring a charge against us that results in our condemnation? Verses 33 and 34. If God says his chosen ones are acceptable to him, can anyone bring charges against them? Or can anyone condemn them? No, indeed. Christ died and was raised to life and now is at God's right side speaking to him for us. Or the version, King James Version, interceding for us. Accusations against us as Christians are common, and some sadly are true. People accuse us, Satan accuses us, our consciences accuse us. Some of these accusations are false, but many are true. 
Is it possible that any of them may stick at the final judgment and that God in the end have to condemn us? To answer that question, let's take the worst possible case. Let's take Satan's accusations. You see, if we can show that his accusations are inadmissible as evidence, then surely no one else's charges against God's chosen people, us, will be upheld. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 says, For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. That's speaking about Satan. We, we must admit that we have given Satan plenty of ammunition against us. All of us have broken God's laws. We have deliberately done wrong again and again and again. So Satan has a good case against us. But Paul says, it's God who justifies or gives us right standing. In other words, the very one whose law we have broken has already declared us not guilty. Therefore, no one will be allowed to bring a charge against us, not even Satan, even if the charge is true. We will never be tried again for sins which God has already forgiven us in, in Christ Jesus. So in verse 34, Paul says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Is there anyone in the entire universe who might possibly be successful in condemning us as we stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Paul gives us the answer in Romans 8.1, where he says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. But how is that true? It is because Jesus died, was raised to life, and now sits exalted at the Father's right hand, where he is continually interceding for us. But what happens? Someone may say, if I fall into some terrible sin, or pull away from God, or even die, does that undo everything? Paul says, Christ is interceding for us in the very presence of God. To every one of Satan's accusations, Jesus is there at the Father's right hand to say, yes, Father, my child did this awful thing, and it grieves me terribly, but I died for that sin. Father, forgive him, forgive her. You see, it is impossible for us to be condemned because of Christ's death for our sins, his resurrection from the grave, his exaltation to the Father, and his intercession now at the Father's side for each of us. No conceivable charges nor any possible condemnation can interfere with the security of God's chosen ones. The final rhetorical challenge lodged against the believer's security is this. Number four, is there any trial or tribulation which might eventually separate us 
from God's love. Verses 35 to 37. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Now, it is clear from this list that while the trials of life can be incredibly difficult, as Christians, we cannot lose. Sometimes the trials and tribulations of life get very heavy. There may be some listening to me today who have been having an extremely difficult time. Maybe you're asking, does God still love me? What is the use of going on? But Paul says, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Everything that happens to us, everything that will ever happen, everything that is happening now, however tragic, however difficult, however impossible, however hopeless, however inexplicable, will work for our eternal benefit. God does not spare us from trouble. He does not insulate us against tragedy and difficulty. But he is with us in the difficult situation we find ourselves in and brings us through it and out of it. And so Paul concludes the chapter with this incredible statement of assurance in verses 38 and 39. Paul says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. So there is nothing left out of that list. Everything is there, whether in this creation or in any other creation. Paul takes everything in and says that nothing, no being or force is capable of separating us from the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. George Matheson was born in Glasgow, Scotland in 1842. As a child, he had only partial vision and his eyesight became progressively worse until it resulted in blindness. Despite his handicap, he was a brilliant student and graduated from the University of Glasgow and later from Divinity School. He became pastor of several churches in Scotland, including a very large one in Edinburgh, where he was greatly respected and loved. 
after he had been engaged to a young woman for a short while, she broke off the engagement, having decided that she could not be content being married to a blind man. Some believe that this painful disappointment led George Matheson to write the beautiful hymn, the first stanza of which says, O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee, I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Because he knew the love of God, though he lost the, the love of the one that he wanted to marry, he was still able to speak of the love of God which would never let go of him. Because our God is infinite in power and love, we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Who can or what can man do to me? Hebrews 13, 6. Because our God is infinite in power and love, we can say with King David in Psalm 56 and verse 3, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. And because our God is infinite in power and love, we can say with Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 27, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. I want to close with a modern personalized rendering of verses 38 and 39 by Ruth Calkin. God, I may fall flat on my face. I may fail until I feel old and beaten and done in. Yet your love for me is changeless. All the music may go out of my life. My private world may shatter to dust. Even so, you will hold me in the palm of your steady hand. No turn in the affairs of my fractured life can baffle you. Satan, with all his braggadocio, cannot distract you. Nothing can separate me from your measureless love. Pain can't. Disappointment can't. Anguish can't. Yesterday, today, tomorrow can't. Death can't. Life can't. Riots, war, insanity, hunger, disease. None of these things, nor all of them heaped together can change the fact that I am dearly loved, completely forgiven, and forever free through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. All the way my Savior leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know, yes I know, whate'er befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. 
People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.